Good afternoon. Here we are again together with the privilege of being able to worship the true and living God. I want to say to all of our visitors, we're so glad to have you amongst us today. We hope that in some way you would be encouraged. We believe that our text for today will encourage us all. And so as we gather before our Heavenly Father today, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture that speaks to the the very heart of our faith as we think about this um, text in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus provides for us a profound revelation, a revelation that is both comforting and empowering. And it's been mentioned already, but in that text, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand and I and the Father are one. These verses are a source of unshakable assurance for every believer. They remind us that our relationship with Christ is not a fragile thing. It's not a thing that can be broken. It's not subject to the whims of circumstance or the schemes of the enemy. Instead, it's grounded in the unbreakable bond between the good shepherd and his sheep. So today we will look into this passage to understand the depth of assurance, it all, the depth of assurance it offers. We will explore the eternal life that Christ bestows, the security of being held in his hand, and the profound unity between Jesus and the Father. And in doing so, we will discover how this assurance transforms our lives, transforms our faith, and our walk with the Lord. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we embark on this journey through God's Word, I encourage you to open your hearts to receive the Word of God that he may be speaking to you and may it strengthen your faith, deepen your relationship with our Savior and remind you that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So let us pray and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance as we explore this rich word. Lord and our God, how we thank you We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a word of comfort. It assures us of the hope that we have in Christ and how we we thank you for this word. Now we pray that you would apply this word to our hearts and to our circumstances. 
that we might run the race that is set before us, that we might look to Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our God, our Shepherd. We pray, Lord God, that you would use your word as a means of helping us to be more confident in living our lives for your glory. We're here today recognizing our dependence upon you, for without you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. May your word go forth with power, reaching us where we are. And, Lord, may you get all of the glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let us turn to John 10. I want to begin at verse 19. I want to begin at verse 19, just so that we can have the context that is surrounding the text we're going to be dealing with today, which is verses 27 through 30 will be our main text. But let's just see what's going on. The Lord is talking to the Jews. He's having a conversation with them, right? Um, and let us be mindful that they do not believe that he's the Savior. Right? And they're divided because they have seen some things that points to deity. And yet here is a man who is saying that he is God. And so the stage is set. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Today we will continue part two of last week's sermon entitled, You Are Not My Sheep, My Sheep. Hear my voice. In part one of this sermon, we covered points one and two. First, we considered point one, a matter of public opinion, 
from verses 19 to 21. And second, we concluded that the good shepherd knows the sheep and they obey. And that was from verses 22 up to our current verse, verse 28. So, um, the third point we're going to consider for this section of our text is the unbreakable bond between the shepherd and his sheep. The unbreakable bond between the shepherd and his sheep. It is here in these passages of Scripture that we find the assurance we've been given by both the Father and the Son. Our relationship with the triune God is unbreakable. We are sealed with an everlasting covenant. And we're going to see that within the text. The text states the words of Christ beginning in verse 28. In that verse, the Lord explains the eternal nature of knowing him as the Son of God. In verse 28, the Lord states, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. In this verse, when Jesus says, they and them, he's referring to those that are his sheep. We know that because of what he says in verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so we must know who we are. Family, we are the sheep. He loves his sheep. He calls us. We know him and we obey and we follow him. Think about that. We are the sheep of God. And what that simply means is that we are dependent upon God as much as sheep is dependent upon the shepherd. The shepherd guides them, the shepherd protects them, the shepherd watch over them, the shepherd feeds them, the shepherd makes sure that their thirst is quenched. The shepherd does all of those things for the sheep, which points to our dependence upon God. We're here today because we are dependent upon God. We have come out, if you would, with our hands up. We have surrendered our life to God that we might serve him because we know that that's the best for us. And so, with that, we willingly follow the shepherd. We have heard him speak to us, and in obedience, we follow the shepherd. And that's the picture that the Lord is portraying for us. And so, let us lovingly follow the sheep because we are the elect of God. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
We're the called out ones. That's why nobody's here from the world who does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a unique community. This is not something that anybody would be involved in. But your mind must be renewed to be able to give up a Sunday to be able to worship the true and living God. Think about it. We can be doing anything. We can be doing a number of things that pleases the flesh. That's what the world does. But to give all of that up says that we have died to the world. And now we live for Christ. And so the Jews that Jesus was conversing with did not come to believe in him because they were not known by the Lord. They could not hear because they did not know the shepherd's voice. In the Greek, to know means to understand. It was, it was a strange voice to them. It did not answer and they could not follow. The gospel is strange to those that are perishing. It is not good news for them. Instead, it's convicting and condemning. Therefore, they hate the good news of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, those who know Christ run to Christ because his voice is good. In other words, the voice of God, no matter what we're going through in this life, is soothing. It's like music. You see people sometimes who are struggling in life and they're dealing with all kinds of things that are going on in their heads. They're dealing with mental illness and all kinds of difficulty. And sometimes when music is played, they begin rocking. It soothes them. It, it calms them down. And in a sense, God's word does that for the believer. It comforts us. And when the word of God comforts us, we follow the shepherd. Because we know that the shepherd cares for us. And so here it is, the shepherd, in verse 28, says, I give them eternal life, and they, his sheep, will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of his hand. In other words, believers are eternally secured by God, the Father, and the Son, and this is that unbreakable bond we have in God between the shepherd and and his sheep. We see it right here in the verse. I give them eternal life. Notice we didn't go and try to earn it. We didn't find it ourselves like the world says. We have to find ourselves. No, we receive the gift that has been given to us. And that's what the Lord has done. I give them eternal life, and they, his sheep, will never perish. Sounds like John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
everlasting life. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. The salvation that the Lord gives is a gift that we've received and eternal life is that gift for those that believe in the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And with this, we see a picture that we've been given this life through a sacrifice, right? In the Bible, lambs are frequently used in sacrificial rituals symbolizing innocence and purity. Notice when they had to give their offering to the priest, they, they could not give any kind of offering. It had to be the best of the best, right? Which would, would indicate that we're giving God our best. And so the, the sacrifice could not have broken legs, could not be sick. It had to be the best of the best. And that's what has happened to us. We've received the best of the best. When the Lord himself have come as our sacrifice, symbolizing the Lamb of God. He came so that we might have life. And so we saw this picture in the Old Testament as they sacrificed, making atonement for sin. We see it in the New Testament as well referring to Christ as the Lamb of God, symbolizing his role as the sacrificial offering for the redemption of all humanity. This symbolism is presented in various passages. We see it in John 1.29, where John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The God-man came to seek and save sinners. He gave himself as a sacrifice to pay the ransom for many, which includes only those who believe and receive eternal life. We saw this idea a few moments ago during our scripture reading when Josh read for us in 1 John 5, turn again there, if you would, just so that we can meditate upon this as we continue in our text. John 5, beginning at verse 9, at verse 9, the text says, If we receive, reminding us of the gift of God, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son has received the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This life is in his Son. This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not has the Son of God does not have life. In other words, there's no other way. The life is in the Son. The Son gives eternal life. 
life. There's no other way. We see that our starting point matters. So when people say that there are many ways to God, we can't agree with that because of what Christ has said. He says, I give them life. Right? So what we believe about Yeshua means it matters if we can't agree about what God has said about the Son. We should not continue in having certain conversations that misrepresents the Son. We're talking about a different Christ. If we can't agree with what the text says. So as a body of believers... We worship together because of what we believe. We are unified in our, theology, in our theology as to who the Son of God is. And because of that, we're able to have all things in common relative to the faith with one another. And that allows us to corporately worship the triune God. And so it becomes a beautiful picture our identity in Christ is made known to us because we agree of who he is. So, if Jesus isn't represented in accordance to what the scripture teaches, then it's unacceptable because that's a different Jesus. And so when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, people might say, yes, I believe in this and yes, I believe in that. But we must identify what Christ do they believe in. So evangelistically, we're, we're aligning our theology with what the Bible says and we're inviting others to do the same because we only can agree with what Scripture says. And so therefore... If we begin with a different Jesus from the start, there's no longer a need to continue without recognizing the crucial contradiction established at the beginning. We can trust what God says in Scripture because of the immutability of God's divine decrees. He is an unchanging God. And so therefore, we must say what scripture says because he is immutable. He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So we can recognize that. Another benefit we can draw from this text is the doctrine called the perseverance of the saints. Might seem like a fancy term, but... This simply means that people who are truly God's elect and chosen will remain faithful to Christ to the end and will not fall away from faith. They will not fall away from grace. This benefits us because of the provisions God made within the covenant of grace. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah 32, verse 40. He says, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts 
that they may not turn from me. You see our inability to turn from God because God is the author of our salvation. He enables us to continue in the faith. We therefore will never lose ourselves in knowing Christ as Lord and, our, and Savior. It's impossible. So our salvation and our assurance is totally dependent upon God, not ourselves. That essentially means that every Christian will continue living in a state of grace. That's beautiful. Right? Think about that. Wherever you are, whatever you're having to deal with, because God is reigning and ruling, he's king over all. We will always be in a state of grace because of who he is. And he is the one who's sustaining it all. And therefore, he uses trials and tribulations as a means of growing us up in our faith. And so, what does that mean to us? It means that we can never totally nor finally fall away from grace and lose our salvation. Impossible. Cannot happen. Instead, we will, by God's grace, forever remain constant in our perseverance in attaining eternal life. Every day we are stepping towards eternal life. We're putting off this old man and we're, we're putting, our, putting on our new selves. We're going closer and closer to glorification because one day we're going to put off pain and difficulty and the inability to think constantly without losing ourselves and we will remain praising him and saying holy 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 lamb of God we will say for ourselves who have taken away the sins of the world and so in Jeremiah 32 God emphasizes this by telling us that through his everlasting covenant, we will persevere because he perseveres. Do you see how we are dependent upon God, not only for salvation, but also for perseverance? Spurgeon in his book called All of Grace on page 132 says this, and I quote, this Faithfulness of God is the foundation and cornerstone of our hope of final perseverance. The saints shall persevere in holiness because God perseveres in grace. He perseveres to bless. And their believers persevere in being blessed. He continues to keep his people and there they continue to keep his commandments. Unquote. 
See, the beauty of that lies in what God is doing for us and what God is doing in us and through us. Therefore, we cannot fail because of all of his grace. That's why Paul, who was rocked with all kinds of tribulations, said his grace is sufficient. Right? Paul was dealing with his own struggles and prayed to God that he would take it away three times and God says, my grace is sufficient. And so many times we run away from pain and from difficulties because we don't like how it feels. But God is working He's building us up. Our assurance is maintained by our desire and willingness to continue in practicing ongoing obedience in our walk with the Lord. And we can only do that. We can only have success because of his Grace. What did the Lord say? He says, I give them eternal life. We've been given the gift of life that is everlasting. It will not fail. Assurance is a matter of believing what God said. Believing what God said. We can believe ourselves. We can believe our emotions. We can believe our flesh over and above what God says if we come under that. But if we come under the authority of God and who he is, his immutability and that he never changed, he keeps his word, we can have rest, we can have peace because God keeps his word and he will never fail. He will never fail. Assurance is a matter of believing what God said. In our 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 18, paragraph 3, states this concerning the perseverance of the saints. And though they may, through the temptation of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them and the neglect of the means of their perseverance, uh, preservation, fall into grievous sins, and for a time continue therein, whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit, come to have their graces and comforts impaired, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalized others, and bring temporal judgments upon themselves, yet shall they renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ to the end. Unquote. We have the greatest hope in Christ. George Kaufman was right when he penned that beautiful song, All I Have is Christ. I once was lost in darkest nights, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cause, you looked 
upon my helpless state and laid me to the cross and I beheld God's love displayed you suffered in my place you bore the wrath reserved for me now all I know is grace hallelujah all I have is Christ hallelujah Jesus is my life that's who we are that's who we are writer goes on to say, Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose and let my soul forever be my only boast in you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. Family, we will never be separated from the love of God. I want to prove this. Turn with me to Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. We're going to begin there. In this text, Paul reminds us of the eternal hope we have in Christ that is founded upon love. Such beautiful words. Romans 8, 28, we're going to begin there. And we know that for those who love God, everybody say all things. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he, pre, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? Is God, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against us, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things Present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That sums it up. We, we ought to find our assurance in the Word of God. He's been constantly reminding us that He loves us. 
We just saw it there in the text. Hold on to that one. You become discouraged. Read, go travel in Romans. Find your assurance in these verses. Next, in verse 29, we're reminded a second time of the eternal security that God provides to those that believe in the Son. In John 10:29, the Lord, in reference to the Father's care for the sheep, states, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Lord continues in making himself known in relationship to the Father. He's been constantly doing this. He says, the works that you see, I I see my Father, and therefore I do the works that I see my Father do. He's always connecting himself with the Father. I must be about my Father's business. We we have this same line of thinking, the same line of theology that the Lord wants us to have, that it must continue, that his work is in alignment with the Father. And so he says, if the father does a particular work, that illustrates the power of God. The natural conclusion is to acknowledge that a great work was being done in the same likeness and by the same power. Jesus had already recognized his own power and divine essence in caring for the sheep. But he adds. And it's interesting that the Lord felt it was important enough to add the Father's work and role in caring for the sheep also. All of this ought to encourage our hearts and give great comfort because of the stability God has given us. The Lord seems to be providing us with absolute assurance. So assurance that is not just dependent upon the Son, but is absolutely dependent upon the Father, therefore giving us absolute assurance and confidence which will help us in standing in this world. And so, not only are we eternally secured by the Son, but we are eternally secured by the Father as well. And so therefore, when he says no one is able to snatch them out, it shows that it is impossible for God to lose any of his children. There's no way someone is going to come to know Christ and then they slip out of his hand. Impossible. It cannot happen. Who Who can take from God? It's impossible. So this ought to strengthen our faith when we are weak as we reflect upon these promises, these things, because Jesus uses descriptive language in order to describe what eternal security looks like. What he means is that no one can take from him and the Father. In other words, no one can dominate the triune God. Who would dominate God to take from him? In order for someone to take from someone else, they must first have 
And they must first be able to dominate and conquer that person. Jesus is saying, who will dominate us and take from us what is ours? If he gives, it remains his. And if we are his, his, then we remain his. Those who are the sons and daughters of God will forever remain as such because of the almighty hand of God. God is strong. He is the all-powerful one, the omnipotent one, the all-seeing God is able to do all things that is according to his will, to his plan, and to his purpose. Lastly, the Lord doubles down on everything he's been saying when he states in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Now, what I want you to do is focus on the who Jesus is, is talking to. Bring yourself back to this Jewish community who is still looking for the Messiah, still looking the same. It's a Jewish community with Jewish leaders who are trying to sustain control over the people. And right now in their own camp, some deny that Jesus is the Messiah, but there is a group that is stirring up there and they can't help because they saw the miracles. Right? They, they saw the miracles and they can't deny it. Therefore, some of them are reconsidering, and therefore, there's a division amongst them. And those leaders know it. And Jesus continues to say, I am the Son of God. Check out my work. Check out my resume. And they're saying, he's a demon. You can't believe him. And they say, no, demons don't do that. And here it is. He tops off everything, and he disturbs them. And so this group who saw the miracles, who can't deny it, who are, ridicules, uh, who are reconsidering, they are challenging the status quo, and the Jewish leaders also know that they cannot deny the miracles that the Lord had done either, and that's a problem. Though they do not want to hear what Jesus has to say, they are more concerned with their traps that they might set in order that they might kill him. According to verse 25, Jesus has shown the Jews what he's been telling them the whole time, but they did not believe. He said to them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name, bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. He's proving and revealing to his listeners what he's been saying the whole time. To the Jews, during that time in their culture, they're actually hearing him say, and I'm paraphrasing, I am God, and you better listen to me. Oneness and sameness in the divine nature of God. Jesus revealed himself so that they would know and would be without excuse because 
He's exactly who he said he is and who he is claiming to be. That is God in the flesh, in the flesh, also known, fancy word, as the hypostatic union. The Lord Jesus, Yeshua, is both God and man. What does that mean? In other words, it means that he is completely in full God 100%. And, and it also means that he is completely in full man 100%. All at the same time. Salvation comes only through the God-man. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Anyone who chooses a different way, a different Jesus that's not represented in Scripture has laid their houses on a faulty foundation. And in the end, the foundation cannot be sustained throughout all eternity. Christ is the rock of our salvation. We see the unity of the Godhead between the Father and the Son in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus in John 17 lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world, the called out ones. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. As Christians, we, we ought to expect all kinds of trouble in our lives, but we must remember that we are eternally kept secure by the Father and the Son. Pain doesn't determine destiny. We will have pain. We will have persecution. We will have difficulty, but that does not determine destiny. It does not determine our end game. And so therefore we must look to the reality that we have crowns coming to us. We must remember that we have already won. We will go through battles, but the war is already won. We are waiting for our crowns. Jesus is our victorious Savior who conquered everything that comes against the will of the Father and his sheep whom he loves. Whatever you go through in this life, remember that you cannot lose with God. That means we can never lose our salvation. And in a real sense, it is through trouble that we take part in the perseverance of the saints. 
Those of us who are God's elect will continue persevering, not in our own strength, but through faith in Christ by the grace of God. Only the sheep kept by the shepherd will continue in listening to the shepherd's voice for the sake of obedience. Anyone who walks away from the church reveals that they were never sheep that, were, that was brought in by the shepherd. Those that are truly a part of the forever family will remain faithful to Christ and will never completely fall away from the faith. Anytime a believer comes to faith in Christ, through regeneration, they will never lose their salvation. Neither can they truly, totally, nor finally and completely fall away from grace. Instead, as Christians, we will to certain, for certain, continue persevering unto eternal life. F.F. Bruce describes it in this way, and I quote, we are refugees from the sinking ship of this present world order. So soon to disappear, our hope is fixed in the eternal order where the promises of God are made good to his people in perpetuity. In other words, what we have in our salvation and all of its benefits will, will soon come to us completely and fully at the time when God returns to receive all those that are his elect. He's coming back. Let's prepare ourselves so that he finds us working in obedience. In other words... Let's make them smile. Right? We know what it means to be parents. And when our children are doing well, our hearts are full because we've been telling them what to do and we see the revelation of that. And our hearts burn with joy because we see them appreciating the benefits of obedience. How much more? So we obey God, that he might smile on us and let us fill him with acts of obedience, that he too might experience this joy. 